Mark Twain once pointed out that to get the full value of joy, you must have someone to divide it with. Well, that's exactly what my guests today on the program did. They divided it, they share it, and they prove that joy is sometimes best when it's, well, when it's fleeting. Oh, you'll see in a second how clever that was. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. a band which features my guests today on the program, John and Rarika Loring. Let me tell you a little bit about The Fleeting Joys and John and Rarika Loring. The Fleeting Joys' 2006 debut, Despondent Transponder, slipped onto the shoegaze radar with little fanfare. But 15 years later, the album is considered a front-to-back classic. Awash in soaring melodies, fuzzed-up guitars, and hypnotic arrangements, the album sounds like a heavenly blend of lifting fog, exploding comets, and outer space bliss. A bit of My Bloody Valentine, sure. A bit of Sonic Youth, yeah. And a touch of Ride, of course, all of that. But the fleeting joys have their own brand of magic that made subsequent releases like Speeding Away to Someday and Occult Radiance instant sonic treasures. The Sacramento Band, which is fronted by the married team of John and Rarika, know when to soar and when to punch and when to skyrocket into the stratosphere. Not only that, they know when it's safe to land. There's new music on the way. There's a vinyl reissue of Despondent Transponder. There might be some live shows. And there's a reason why the Fleeting Joys don't think it's important to do things in order. They'll explain. Let's have a conversation with John and Rarika of the Fleeting Joys, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. day job that I still do. Um, But it's interesting because we were preparing to head out into the world and we had a a show booked and a band ready and we were practicing. And then when all this hit, I was very much like, fine, I can handle this. I can, I can be in the room and just, you know. That's what he usually is doing. <laughs> in, the, in the studio, just playing around by himself yeah, with me. It, it was very much like, I got this. This is fine. Uh, we'll just cloister ourselves and be creative like normal. So Yeah. And the first, you know, three, four months, it was great. But now I'm starting to think maybe I have agoraphobia starting up or something. Yeah. It's turning. 
I'm ready to get out and about again. She likes to, uh, what is it, homestead? And so she's like <laughs> buying all this. We bought, an, uh, we got another freezer and it's full of stuff and she's <laughs> buying all these. She, the, the house is packed prepared. with food, yeah. And she's cooking all the time. And He's gaining <laughs> <laughs> Well, that doesn't that doesn't sound bad. That sounds kind of kind of like I think life's good, John. You're doing all right. <laughs> uh, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. It has given us a chance. Like there were so many songs and ideas and things piling up and up and up, and so it's given us a chance to go through those, pull them together, get a, a new. Actually, you know, it's really quick for us to have a new uh, release coming out early next year when we just had one last year right um so that's been great yeah you were asking about the day to day, and so basically you know we have the day job but then it's full-on working on a new album um and it was going to be a five song ep um kind of very different it all started off on acoustic which things do but now it's it's grown and we realize that if we just put on a couple of the unfinished songs unfinished tracks from our last release and we have a lot that we have another full album ready to go so we've been super productive in the evenings yeah it's kind of fussed with the cycle right? Like the cycle of release has been completely monkeyed with. So, I mean, yeah. like your fans must be really excited about that, but that's, it's not the natural way that you would have done it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And plus, I, I think everyone's flooding the, there's so many new releases. There's, it's overwhelming. I can't keep up with it. I can't hear everything. I don't know how you do it. I, I don't think I do do it. I mean, I think that, I don't think it's possible um, you just, you grab what you can. Like I found this band I'm insane about. They're called the Bad Nerves. And I just found them by okay. chance and they make me so happy. And I thought to myself, oh. like, I got so lucky that I got a chance to hear this band because they could have, they could have easily flipped under the radar and I would have missed them. Um, oh, where are they from? I believe they're from the UK. Um, oh, okay. And they sound like, imagine like the Buzzcocks and the Misfits. Okay. okay. Yeah. Pretty cool. I'm writing it down. I love <laughs> bad nerves. But there's so much out there. You're right. And it's really interesting because I, I wonder how this feels for you guys in the sense that this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and I haven't asked anyone about it yet. But when you're an artist, you, up to this point, the, the, the audience, the sort of river of, of possibility out there in the world is always there. And now it's not. You've got clubs closing. You've got uh, no live opportunities where there used to be. Um, so you take for granted, like, well, we'll go out on the road at this point and we'll go meet our fans and play for them and, and travel around. And now that's suddenly been taken away. And I wonder how that feels. I mean, I can't imagine it feels good, but how has that changed your perspective? Well, again, um, not much for us because with Rorica and I, it's very much about the songs and the music. And playing live is just a super treat for us. It's just an extra fun little thing. Um, we work on the music first because we want to hear what we want to hear. 
and everything else is secondary. And that said, we love to play live. Right. Um, but we can kind of still do <laughs> our main interest. Yeah. I mean, we have played with a lot of great bands, like uh, in Japan, Radio Department and uh, Ulrich Schnauz, Chapter House was amazing. Um, who else? I don't know. Just, you know, we've never been one to hit the road and turn around because we had a child and um, that came first and we couldn't just, you know, go off for months. But we would book a show in San Francisco and L.A. and, you know, with certain people that were coming through and go do that and then come back home. Yeah, yeah. So uh, It's scary to think that the opportunities might be sem severely delimited, <laughs> severely diminished. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we definitely want to. We have a couple local guys. Um, we did have uh, more than a we had a couple practices and it felt great and we were just looking forward to it. And uh, we were going to do part-time punks in LA and they're uh, still up for uh, it. And very right. Excited. When they shut everything down, they, yeah. that, I think our weekend was the first weekend they had to shut down. Mitch we Wheeler. Do. Mitch yeah. Wheeler. <laughs> Mitch Wheeler. <laughs> um, so. He's been called out correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I know it's compromised there. It's changed so much. The idea that the the release cycle has now been sort of compressed, it kind of reminds me of the old days when like the Kinks would put out three albums in 1967 yeah. or something. <laughs> you know, I always think about that where when I was a kid, I go, oh, this album is from 1967. And so is this one. And so is this yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you sort of like that? You can sort of, does that make you feel like, well, we can deliver more music to our, to our fans um, and hopefully get new ones? Does that compression of the cycle feel uh, comfortable to you or have you sort of made peace with it? Well, it's interesting because in classic Fleeting Joys form, we've done everything backwards. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, we haven't really followed cycles. When we're done with the album and it's mastered and we're happy, we'll just put up a random, a random Facebook post. Hey, the record's here. <laughs> and people are like, what? Yeah, and, we've and, never done that. Uh, plan ahead uh, this is the closest we've ever come to doing that yeah now she's time. ready to do it right and yeah she's got it I all planned try, out. try to you know plan ahead have a time frame let people know ahead of time so they can let other people know and see how that goes yeah, <laughs> yeah. give them some warning yeah but we've never done that before so we don't really know <laughs> look at the joy is getting all normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. We yeah. swore we'd never put our stuff on Spotify. We were just, you know, absolutely not going to do it. And then everyone kept asking. So we decided to give it a, as an experiment, try it. So we did. And I swear we get like a hundred new listeners a day. You know, it's like, it's not changed. Um, I think it's been good, though, because it took so long to finish the last record that people are like, who are these guys again? <laughs> and and now they're kind of eating it up because, you know, we got know. good feedback. I don't know where they're all coming from, even, but it's interesting to, you know, try it out, see what happens. 
that's that's I guess that's what we're doing this this year right now is trying out new strategies, new things, and just yeah. seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's fun to be able to kind of monitor that and go, oh, we have a hundred new people seem to have just found the fleeting joys who didn't know about us yesterday. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how they even find us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for starters, you guys are great. So I think people find oh. you. <laughs> I, I I firmly believe that people will seek out great stuff. Um, yeah. I I this show is really all about what's happening now and what's happening in the future, like what your creative process yeah. is like. But I have to ask, cause I'm kind of curious, when you started the band, what was your vision of the band? Did it end up, did it end up being the way you'd visualized it or did it, did it take weird turns? Um, he wanted to be more punk, way more punk in Austin when we were living there. The, well, when we were in Austin, um, we were punk. Yeah. And then, I mean, the bands I was in, were bash 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 um and then i met rory and she was working uh was it with spot in a, a music lane studio in austin um, a lot of really great bands came through there at that time i was just really lucky to, for him to teach me how to engineer i just was in the right place at the right time and uh, I practiced on John. That's how we met a friend introduced us. Yeah. And he yeah. came in and I recorded him for free because I really liked his songs. Right. And then eventually we started playing together. Yeah, so that was, that was in Austin and there was a good amount of growing that happened there. Met Rory. Then we moved to, there's a very brief time where we kind of stopped doing music, um, but we, eventually moved to California and I think it was around long story short there was always songs going on right yeah and then around 2005 we met Dan Sostrom from Town Vendors Town Vendor he had an in-store and we just happened along to see someone Dream, dreams and dreams and dreaming uh doing an in-store there and i just looked at don and i go we've always loved that kind of music we need to just do that even if it's not like it was loud they were filling the room with stuff that we both went oh <laughs> we remember this we love this this is what Let's we do, do <laughs> so we worked on some demos of some songs that we basically already had played them for a guy that was working at the front desk a, a tone vendor do you remember his name no uh, but he um so we left a little i don't know if it was a cassette it was probably a cd and dan said he said dan you gotta hear this and so dan called us up and um, he was the first one that kind of really enjoyed whatever this incarnation was going to be. He was really encouraging. So, yeah. So we yeah. named ourselves Fleeting Joys. We worked on these songs. And there was at one point where I was discovering some guitar sounds. And I was like, should we be doing this? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like very um, reminiscent guitar sounds of, you know, MBV and slow dive and stuff like that. And it's like, 
hell yeah, people need to hear this. This is the best thing ever. Why wouldn't we do this? I'm just all for doing what you want to do, yeah. not what you think you should be doing. But the thing was, that was only, you know, after all of our songs had kind of been written. It's all yeah. about the songs first. So, and that's how it started. Were you, now John, you were originally from where? Uh, I was born in Iowa. Born in Iowa. <laughs> Moved to uh, Texas and uh, met Rory in Austin. Yeah, we both were at uh, UT Austin. He was um, at the, he was working part-time at the art history. Art and art history. Art and art history. And I was at textile and apparel design. And um, one of the main donors there, uh, her grandfather, I think, started, helped start the university or something. They had a, a, a home, a family home near nearby that they would help certain artists they wanted to. Um, and it was called the Castle House, and it was literally, literally a replica of an Italian villa castle wow. in Europe that her uh, grandfather had built. And so they let us live there for several years and just create and work part-time at UT and, you know, get the, get the whole music thing gelled. Yeah. And it was an amazing time. Were you, really uh, magical. you, you were from Texas as, uh, originally? Oh, I grew up in New Orleans, but I Orleans. wound up in, in, and going to college at UT. It's interesting. I, we had a drummer that we worked with at one point that liked the same type of music we liked. And I think we were talking about a band like Bedhead or something. And he said, yeah, somebody in that band is from the Midwest. Somebody had a winter in them. <laughs> and it, was, it made so much sense, you know, this sort of, um, I forget the word I'm looking for, but it's very, not stoic, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It'll come to me in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very curious to know about, in terms of your, your creative dynamic, which is unique um, in the sense that you're, and I'm sure you get asked about this a lot, but um, my, my curiosity is, do you feel that the, the creative relationship just keeps getting the layers just keep getting added into it because you know you're 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 sort of putting the, the work in all the time because you're there creatively sort of always thinking about stuff and you're there together as a symbiosis that you just can't avoid whether it's in the conscious brain or unconscious brain how has your partnership deepened mm -hmm. creatively over the years and where is it where is that's it? hard to i know it's hard to verbalize that sometimes but give it a shot <laughs> <laughs> well, he always says, and it's true, we approach everything in the opposite, from the opposite direction, and whatever we can meet in the middle and agree on together is gold. And I just think of things in one way, he thinks of things in a completely different way, but we always manage to somehow, the things that we can both agree on, we just manage to get that going and it just works. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but... Um, we do a lot of um, playing off each other. I tend to write the sort of skeletons of things, the structures. I have song ideas coming up, my took us all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's say they're good, but until I like get with Rory and I 
interact, right? And we throw things back and forth. It doesn't really have a life that I even consider playing with, you know? Um, case in point, a song like, I don't know if you're familiar with the song, The Breakup. That's a, one of the first ones off um, Despondent Transponder. And we're just, you know, I've got the chords and this is a song that I had worked on for years and we're just sitting around and we're both harmonizing. Then I go change something, try something different. She changes something and then she does something different. I go, oh, that was cool. Do that, you know, and it's just back and forth like that. And that's the way it goes, you know. It, so to a degree, we've kind of fallen into a nice, comfortable, we know how it's going to be. We know each other's little ego areas. Yeah. Although I will say there have been many arguments over him taking my favorite part of the song and removing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, and he wrote it, you know, to be something he wrote. Right. It's just like, why and are I'm you like, taking that out? And then I go, yeah, that is a great part. I agree, but not for this song. Let's put yeah. that part later. <laughs> and she's like, let's work on that song now. And I go, but I'm working on this song. So it's <laughs> crazy. Uh, we are, I mean, our relationship was based on, it wasn't based on music, but it's like in our DNA. I mean, it's yeah. what we do, you know? He was the one who said to me, uh, like when we met, I was, you know, I was spending almost all of my hours of the day in the studio recording people. And he said, why are you spending all your time helping other people get their music out? Why don't, why aren't you helping yourself get your own music out? And that was like, he was the first person who ever said that to me, you know? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's when we, we started working on stuff together. Well, that's a fair question, John. That, that was a pretty fair question to ask. Uh, well, I mean, being a musician who does music, it was kind of a foreign world. And in classic Leading Joy's fashion, we've done it backwards because she was working in the studio. And I'm like, why don't you do your own music? And now... <laughs> He's the Pro Tools. Yeah, that. and she I, can't be bothered. I hate Pro Tools. She can't be bothered. And yet her ears, I'm telling you, are golden. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell him what to change now. Yeah. yeah. So well, um, I'm, it's, I'm we had fun. The you mentioned, I love the way you put it. The ego areas that you talked mm. about. Um, mm. How are you with taking a note? How are you with taking criticism, John? Are you are you good at it? Are you are you better than you were ten years ago? Is it still a fragile thing to do? Right. Um, well, let me answer first, because then I'm going to let Rory answer. But I went, uh, I was a painting major in college, and I was a great painter. And I looked forward to critiques. I love people saying, you know, uh, this is great, but, you know, just change this. So I, I handle and love criticism. It's all sounding boards for me. Okay. Now... He's not going to take the advice, though, unless you well, really push it. <laughs> and, and so I'll take it on board, you know. Um, so I like criticism. What's your take on that about me? <laughs> <laughs> 
do you like the way he takes criticism? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, yeah. it's... You want to plead the fifth? Touch and go. I mean, you know, like I said, we'll disagree on a lot of things, but yeah. then eventually what we agree on, we both are happy. What so. we agree on is gold. I mean, we have a number of songs right now that I like a lot, but she's saying things like, I hate that first part. And that will not go. I mean, it's, yeah. and it's never, it's not that I'm saying no to this song because she doesn't like it. It's right. I'm saying no. And I'm going, well, there's gotta be something wrong if she doesn't, if she doesn't like it. So, you know, we're gonna wait on that. But isn't it also good to, to have that kind of unvarnished honesty um, I know oh, yeah. sometimes it can be very yeah. painful, right? But but it yeah. is it is important yeah. because and it's great that yeah. it feels it's a safe space to be able to go. I hate that John. <laughs> I mean, because otherwise, what she loves or John, what you love, it it wouldn't it wouldn't make it worth anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Definitely. She's my target audience. She's <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I. She and me. I like like you. I mean, I. I went through what you went through in my, my, my master's degree is in poetry. And so when you get uh -huh. workshopped, you're, you, you give everyone a copy of your poem and then you, they take it for a week and you come back and then they give you their notes and they'll say things like, and you can always, I did it and I saw everyone else do it. You're nodding, you're taking the criticism, but you can see everyone's thinking, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been able to quiet the fuck you that goes on in your brain when someone gives you? No, I don't mean that. Like you mean it personally. Yeah. But in the, 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 what I mean by that is that have you been able to sort of the rejection, the automatic reflex of rejecting someone's notes? Have you been right. able to sort of keep that better company than you than you used to? Well, well, for me, it's interesting. For me, I'm kind of okay. I, cause I go, who's this coming from? What's their viewpoint? Oh, like in Rory's case, I know what bands she prefers that I don't. And I'm talking about the classic Cure versus the Smiths, <laughs> Cure versus the Smiths argument. And so I go, okay, that's your opinion as a Cure first band. I get it. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with criticism. You know, I, I think about it, it's important. Now, I will say this, if certain people criticize me, Rory will get very upset about it <laughs> on my behalf. Yeah, you know? that's cool. <laughs> she, uh, she guards her flock, <laughs> yeah, as they say. Yeah, that's really cool. By the way, I'm, I'm with you with the Smiths. I, I always uh, was more of a Smith <laughs> fan than it. They care. <laughs> they're both I, great. I love them both. They're both great. They're and both Robert great. Smith is a genius. <laughs> you know, just the, the nice thing is we don't have to pick. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious, John, for you, punk rock really hit a nerve with you. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what bands and can you tell me why it, it was so, it, it resonated with you so deeply? Um, well, when I was a wee tot, um, the first punk rock thing that I heard was um, Nazi punks F off by the Dead Kennedys. And I was just 
laughing hysterically in my room because I was so excited to have found it. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I'm on a, it, something in me knew that I was on a new thing, you know? Um, there was a lot of rush happening before that. Yeah. <laughs> in Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Uh, but once I discovered that, it kind of set me off into some new things. Um, the bands I was in in Austin, um, it's in, from there, I went into stuff like bands like Ministry, right? And just super heavy, super heavy Nine Inch Nails and Ministry. And then... I heard Lush and I said, what's that? You know, and now we're on a new trajectory. So that was the kind of step. So anything that was hard and fast, I mean, these bands I was in in Austin were just bash and bash and bash and fast and fast. So, yeah. I remember I, I loved punk rock too. And I, and I, you know, I'm 50. So I, my, my frame of reference is like, I grew up in the eighties and it's like, so for me, hearing something like when I first heard Ride in 89 mm. and I heard Chelsea mm -hmm. Girl and I heard and I heard that sort of that sort of um just that that big sort of wash of sound that sort of ocean mm. of noise yeah. and I and what really was interesting to me was that there was something really melodic in all that noise and so I was trying to figure out what the through line is from punk rock to what they call at the time they weren't calling it shoegaze it was just a bunch of bands that were yeah. kind of like that but that that came later um mm -hmm. but the through line for me was was sort of the the like the misfits are incredibly melodic and also incredibly loud um right. and i thought i found that with ride it was it was more dense but i did find and chapter house like you mentioned i really did yeah. find the melody in there did 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 you also feel that way that in terms of the through line between punk rock and what we now know as shoegaze I don't, uh, you know, heaviness. There's a heaviness about it. Um, and I, it's, I, I think Lush went on tour with Ride and I was, I was in the camp of not really paying so much attention to Ride, but just super down with Lush, who I later learned was produced by Robin Guthrie. And Robin Guthrie and his album with the Cocteau Twins the Pinko Pick, which was a compilation, was the basically the first thing other than punk rock that made me feel like, oh, this is the way to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was a. I was going through some stuff in some years, and I heard that album, and it just set my course, you know. So you got all the heaviness of the punk rock ministries um my brain escapes me and all the heavy stuff but laced with the beauty of cocteau twins and you know that's a rough formula yeah right there did sonic youth resonate for you guys at all oh totally yeah totally yeah we had a cat named goo <laughs> <laughs> well that answers that question <laughs> <laughs> yeah rome has spoken that's that's it. Um, it. It's interesting to hear you say that you're that you always have songs swirling in your brain all the time. Um, has it always been like that? And are you better at pulling it from the ether now and 
have you refined it in a way where it's easier to apprehend than it was say 10, 15 years ago? Uh, yes, because now I know how it goes. Um, and recently it, it might start out as finger picking uh, into the iPhone and I'll holler into the kitchen. Did you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, I'm gonna record that. <laughs> And now I'm finger picking it, you know, into the iPhone. And then uh, 10 minutes later, I'll have come up with some kind of chorus with made up words. Um, and from there, bring it into the other room, start fleshing it out. Oh, now it's got some drums on it. Now it's no longer finger picking. That finger picking rhythm has been turned into a drum rhythm. Um, now let's bring Rory in, see what she thinks of this. Oh, why don't you do this? Why don't we try this? For him, it's just like water running. He just turns on and music comes out. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, there's... I don't even turn it on. It just comes yeah. out. We'll be waiting it's to leave for... for waiting to leave for an appointment. And I'll, oh, I wrote down three things I liked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> That, that's a that's a happy problem to have because it's yeah. so <laughs> right are you the same way creatively no it's hard for me uh i have to work at it and uh you know he says that he has more misses he tries more things and misses more than i do but you know, I'd rather be that way than have to work harder. <laughs> well, specifically, what we're talking about was an analogy of um, photography, which my painting teacher said photographers, if they get one good shot out of 50, you know, they're doing really well. Yeah. And so I'll, I, I, I have a phone with, you know, 40 song ideas, and, you know, there's 20 of them I like, and she does three two of them are good and, and i don't like one your, your percentage is way higher <laughs> do more yeah.
reminds me, of, I, I spoke to Robert Forrester of the Go-Betweens and he told me that he's notoriously slow as a songwriter. So he said he would literally come in to, you know, to the studio and he'd have two songs and Grant McLennan would have 40. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a good know. problem to have, but it is annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's nice that you that you sort of are able to tap into that and to like I was saying before to wrestle it from the ether and and pull it into the real world. Um, yeah. And I think you do get better at that as you get older. Um, that's one of the night. There's not that many nice things about getting older. But that's one of them, I think. For me as a writer, like I, it's easier for me to write better stuff than it was in the old day, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah. that's kind of that's kind of a nice thing. Yeah. yeah, and you know what your strengths are, you know, yeah. through learning. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Do you think of the fleeting joys as? I mean, this is a really weird way to put it, but as a kind of brand where if you if you write a song you would go that doesn't feel very fleeting joysy or are you willing to sort of expand the canvas well it, it's interesting do you want to yeah. take that yeah that exactly has ha been happening where you um it, there's a certain sound that people love and want and expect and we have a broad range of things that we like and and so that's why there's so many unreleased songs. They're just all different. Right. And so this time during the uh, lockdown and all, we said we were going to do some of these songs that reflected more of what we were feeling like right now. And they're not so fleeting joy sounding. It's yeah. a little bit of a new direction. But, you know, we like them. And that's paired with, um, me saying, let's do three albums that are super noisy, and then we'll think about raising the vocals. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we're there, and then we're we're under COVID times, and this is exactly where we are right now. So we have five songs that for, I don't know, the last six months, we've been saying these are very different songs. They're acoustic based. There's synthesizers on them. Um, now we're adding some drums, but they're very different. Uh, we have a lot of songs that are in the psych realm yeah. more. And so they these are sort of leaning towards those. And so we have this big, question and we talked about it openly do do we want to be one of these bands that has a sound for a long time i've wanted somebody to hear a fleeting joys song and go oh that's great that's what they're like but then it gets predictable right right and so the question is what if we just do something completely different or you know it's not completely I no mean, it's not we completely play, i don't know if you want to hear a bit of it or not we could play yeah I'd love, yes, yeah. Okay. It's not mastered yet. Is that okay? Wanna... We... Yeah, let's give it a go. I mean, it right. might not be finished yet, but it's... Right. <laughs> it's is, it, is it okay for listeners? Can I, can I play this on the show? Is this okay? Yeah, um, now, if it sounds terrible uh, audio-wise, just let us know. Okay. This is cool, okay. 
Wow. That started off as a as a uh, sitting on the gold chair over there playing uh, an acoustic, and um, I I was actually playing with this Mellotron app. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was playing with a Mellotron app where I had sampled um, Rory's voice and was literally playing her like an <laughs> instrument. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it just did this amazing thing because her voice is just like this little golden gem. You know what I mean? My voice is, I have to try and EQ the wine out of it. <laughs> but, but hers is just this little gem. So that was sort of the basis for that. And um, I don't know, it's, we, it's just different. It's just how it happened. Yeah. And for the first three records, we would have said, okay, how can we sort of jimmy this into being more fleeting joysy? Right. But I think we may go with this kind of the way it is. And there's five more like it, basically. Well, it sounds very good. different. I, I, I love it. Um, yeah. I like the idea of like, I remember when I got barbed wire kisses and I went, oh, Taste of Cindy acoustic. That's even better <laughs> than the right. <laughs> thinking like, so that's kind of cool that Jesus and Mary Chain could actually unplug and be just as intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, I, you know, I was nine, maybe I was 17 when I heard that. And that was a really good realization um, where you don't have to always be, you know, consistent in terms of what people will expect and i think musicians sometimes might get bored just being like okay this is this is oh, it's yeah. more narrow and you go like, okay well now i'll this is a fleeting joys song so we'll do this but it's nice to sort of divert creatively well well exactly. and again in classic fleeting joys fashion <laughs> right now i guess kind of arguably shoegaze is hot Yep. And so what are the fleet what are the fleeting joys doing after three records? We're doing something different now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really surprising. Uh the people that I noticed um the the main bulk of our listeners right now are in their twenties, eighteen to I think it was thirty-four. That's interesting. It's like they're all just, just really discovering shoegaze, I guess. And really um interested in it excited about it mm -hmm. so. what is your personal daily practice for you musically are there days where you do nothing or, or do you do something every day creatively musically um on and off there i you know for me we're different like i will get i have hard, a hard time with uh i guess you just say depression i'll get discouraged or frustrated and it'll keep me from doing things for a while which only makes it worse but right. you know it's kind of a, but you, then when I finally can get out of that and do something it's so soothing and it's like why why have I why have I not been doing this you know yeah. well I'm curious yeah yeah what what well I was gonna say she's she's I've never met somebody that had such bad luck with gear. Like she should be trying to set up something so she can do more of it and the computer system will just reject it or she's left-handed, right? So she can't just pick up stuff, guitars that I have 
lying around. Right. So she's got to have a completely separate set of gear to just do what she would naturally want to do. Long, she, she has just the bizarrest real world challenges that are faced, you know, in front of her. And she does overcome them, but it's just, it's supernatural for me. And there's some life <laughs> impulse issue that wants it to be more difficult for her for some reason. Well, I'm just really curious about what do you do when she feels a kind of artistic depression like you were talking about, which is, you're the first person who's ever said that on the show. And, I'm, and I think it's actually valuable. To <laughs> but what, yeah. what is, John, what is your role? Like, what do you do when you recognize that? Do you, do you back away or do you try to nurture that? What is the right thing? To, I don't know what the right thing is to do, but what do you <laughs> For me, I try to avoid the temptation to be, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Little musical Hitler. Because... <laughs> <laughs> It's very easy to go, oh, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. Like in that one, I'm playing drums on that one as well. And, but it gets, with, with, when it's all you, it becomes very sort of monolithic and there's no flavor, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you like. And so I'll write songs and then I'll pull her in and I'll say, let's do a harmony now, do a harmony, sing this. What do you want to do on this? So basically I include her. I pull her in and I, I make her sing parts on nearly everything, you know? And that's what we do. That's, that's how we do. Yeah, and, that's, right? and that must be a therapeutic kind of It is, thing. it is, yeah, definitely. Music yeah. is the most healing and soothing therapy there is, I think. And so, so what it is, is basically, musically, I'm the enabler provider <laughs> in every other way. <laughs> How life works and stuff, that's her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, switching of hats in that house. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. But you guys, you guys have figured it out, and I think it's, I just think it's so cool. The recording of Despondent Transponder, um, how was that done? <clears throat> For lack of a better term, on the cheap. Yeah. Because we only have ourselves. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot of backing. Support, yeah. Financial yeah. backing. For so it was a big crunch. Or, or family support even, you know, we just, it um, was just us doing all this together. So we did it. And it was all consuming. Mm. It was... Uh, but a lot of hard work. Somebody asked me once what the hardest part was about writing. And I said, the hardest part about writing is when I have to go to work and I can't do it. Um, you know, I teach college when I have to go teach a class, when I go and I can't work on the book. Um, so for you, John, oh, yeah. you feel the way where it's like you have to go, to go to the day job you were talking about. Is that hard? You won't, you, it is insane making, right? <laughs> and so, there was a lot of things going on in the wait for the last album, Speeding Away to Someday. Um, and I would go to work, this was before COVID, so I'd have to go there. And I would listen to the mixes that I had done the night before, you know, on my headphones when I'm doing my, you know, 
video production. And imagine doing that for more than five years, hearing the same songs over and over. And I mean, crazy making, totally crazy making. And then writing little notes on scraps of paper so you can, when you get home, if you're not too tired, you know, can you have energy to work on that little thing that you were inspired at 10, 15 in your day job? You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. It's crazy making. No, I get it. Because like for me, if I'm grading essays, when I'm done, it's, it's almost like a chef coming home and making dinner for himself, right? It's like I'm grading mm -hmm. essays. After doing that, the last thing I want to do is write. But it's also all I want to do. Um, but it's right. like much of the same thing. I totally get that. Um, yeah. And it is crazy making, but one of the things that I will say about turning 50, which has been kind of cool and also not cool, is I've realized <laughs> that, you know, time doesn't feel infinite. It feels very clearly finite now. And it makes me want to put more work out and work faster. Whereas in the old days, meaning like, you know, when I was 49, <laughs> um, and now I don't really feel, I don't mean that in a grim way, but I mean, it's sort of like, the numbers are starting to work against you. And I think like all those projects that I've wanted to complete, now I am racing against the clock to complete them. Not, not in a really, in a, in a sort of macabre way, but in a way of like, I need to produce this work. Do you, do you feel not so much that way, but do you, do you think about time's winged chariot or whatever you want to say? Like, do you think about it like that at all? Uh, I, I, I do and I don't. I think about it in a very um, specific way, like uh, um, what's my hair dye color that I like so much, you know, because we got to do this because we got some photos and I'm yeah. cool with that. But <laughs> as far as it's a losing battle to be worried when you're trying to make art, you just got to go, things are going to work out. I'm going to do what's in front of me to do if I love it. And you, at that point, you get all, uh, um, uh, what's his, who's the dude? The Big Lebowski. Yeah. I don't think this is one of his lines, but, you know, time is an illusion, man. <laughs> Just, yeah. Things will work out and do your art and do what you're going to do. And, you know, that sort of deal. So I, I kind of take the, um, very uh, hands-on on one side of worrying about age and, and yeah. on the other hand I just make the art I'm gonna make and and I I'm not really gonna think too much about it you know we don't really feel that different I mean uh, it's hard to describe I don't really feel that different than I did 10 years ago or yeah, longer yeah. ago yeah. I just feel like me and I I think I will say that we're so busy. I guess you don't have time to. Well, again, this is some fleeting joys magic right here. <laughs> Rory and I are famously late bloomers, <laughs> but um, where was I going with this? I don't know. We're famously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to say that. <laughs> um, we're late bloomers. How there was some tie-in about the fleeting joys in timeline. It would have been it would have been gold, but I can't remember it right now. I think I got it. Okay. So in particular, and you mentioned Sonic Youth, right? Yeah. 
I, I love music, but there was a huge stretch of time, specifically when I was in my late teens and early 20s, where I did not want to learn scales and things that were very academic musically, right? Okay. I wanted to be a primitivist, which is the art that I, I love a lot, all art, but primitivism in particular is my favorite art. So I wanted to be like Sonic Youth, you know, to where you're not doing basic stuff. And I didn't want to hamper myself by studying things too much. Right. And I stuck to that and it paid off for me um, in the songs that I wanted to do slightly later in life, which is Here We Are, right? And the world is showing us that, oh, shoegaze is super you know hot right now or whatever it is but we're just doing that anyway so that's an interesting little thing for people to think about if they're so inclined yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know primitivism musically how does that how does that manifest i would love to hear some something emotional from i'll just say a girl at this point some girl who just picked up her first guitar and barely knows a couple of chords and can bash something out and sing something heartfelt to it. I would much rather hear that than some polished, you know, whatever. But saying that, polished stuff is also good. Right. But my heart tends to this punk rock aesthetic of it's not how much you know or how much resources. It's this blue collar, busting it out type thing that I prefer. You know, we love all things, but yeah, heart, that's where the heart gravitates towards first. Yeah, that sort of, that moment of, of sort of inspired, fevered, it doesn't matter if it is technically uh, correct. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, well, I love your band and I, I appreciate being let into your home and for this intimate fireside chat. <laughs> Um, it's very cool to talk to you guys, and I appreciate you just going the distance with me. It's It's been really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been yeah. nice to meet you. Thank you. And yeah. you, and if you guys come down to the Bay Area, please let me know. Um, and okay. uh, I don't know if you are going to play any shows down here or, um, or anything like that. I know right now, who knows? But, uh, right. Oh, eventually, that. yes. We'll see yeah. what the world says, but we definitely want to, and we're prepared to. The fleeting joys are ready. There's no doubt about that. All we need is a healthy world so you can enjoy them in a public space. Love that conversation. Really, really nice people. And uh, an exclusive listen to their new music. That was very cool. Fleetingjoys.tumblr.com. That's where you need to go to find out what's happening with the Fleeting Joys. Their Bandcamp page has some really cool stuff on it. So check that out and uh, buy some music by the Fleeting Joys. Visit me at alexgreenonline.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor, or follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast, or just email me. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, give us a nice rating, tell a friend. 
you know the whole sequence of support. Uh, bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. I think that's all the businessy stuff I have for you. Thank God, right? All right. Let's close the show with a longer listen to The Breakup. It's the leading track from Despondent Transponder by The Fleeting Joys. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio.